Welcome to a new edition of the Neon Jazz Interview Series with jazz drummer, producer, composer, and band leader Anthony Fung. We caught up with him on May 18, 2020 to talk about his debut CD, 2018's Flashpoint. And we mold over this new COVID-19 world of no live jazz. He was born in Richmond Hill, Canada, and has been playing the drums since the age of 10. He is currently based in Los Angeles and has established himself as one of the foremost up-and-coming drummers of his generation. Enjoy his story. It's a strange world, and I figure it's probably good to talk a little bit about the music. So thanks for taking a minute out today. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So what have you been doing creatively during quarantine to kind of keep your chops up and, you know, sanity, all that kind of thing? Uh, yeah, man. Well, uh, obviously that's a hard, hard thing to do, but, but these days, you know, uh, I'm actually, I'm actually, uh, scoring for a, um, a full length documentary at the time. Um, so I'm actually doing a bunch of work, um, just writing, uh, writing a bunch of music. Um, I actually just released a single and, uh, I was doing a lot of writing. I was trying to figure out what would be, uh, kind of like a good avenue of, of, of staying busy and, and finding a project to do. So I, I wrote a I wrote this kind of suite with a uh, with string uh, with a this just like a, a quintet and a string quartet and I uh, sent it off to some friends um, you know some a friend that lives in Barcelona another friend that lives in Boston and New Jersey and a couple friends from LA and uh, we kind of did a remote remote recording and I was like you know this this would be great if we if we can you know make it not only in, into a video but also like a, a single. And, um, you know, I think the way that it turned out, it actually turned out very great. Um, you know, sonically, you know, it's like, it's, it's, it's always hard when you're doing a remote recording and you can't really hear what the other person is doing. Um, but kind of reacting off that. So, um, most been doing that and writing and, you know, obviously, um, just doing a bunch of different collaborations with, with, uh, some friends, um, people that you you know I, I normally wouldn't get a chance to play with you know based off of their location so just reaching out and and you know finding music that we can come together and and do something together with you know what i mean so it's been actually pretty pretty awesome i can't i can't complain i'm you know staying busy over here <laughs> yeah without yeah. a doubt so when did you realize that we were beginning to head into this quarantine no live jazz section of our lives, kind of in mid-March, how'd you get from LA to where you're at? Kind of talk to me a little bit about how all that kind of unfolded for you. You know, the virus wiped out our industry in like two days, even one day. You know what I mean? Like nobody, okay, so it kind of started to happen around March, I'd say like March 16th. People were kind of self-isolating and in Los Angeles on March 18th, that was, no, March 13th or 14th or something like that. That's when they they announced that this is a pandemic or something like that. I can't remember which date. Maybe you know better when the CDC um, announced that it was a pandemic. Do you happen to remember that date? Yeah, it seemed like I realized on the night of the 12th after the national address 12th. in America that that's right. It was that's right. everything 12th. was going to shut down. Right. Um. Actually, I had a I had a gig that night at the Blue Whale with Big Band um, on March 12th, and that night when they, you know, that day when they when they said it was a pandemic, it was, I mean, that club was like you felt it in the air. You know what I mean? Everybody was just talking about it. We were all just freaked out. Like, oh man, shit! Like this is, you know, this is this is gonna happen. We're 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 not gonna be able to play any more music. 
And the next day, um, I had almost six people cancel on me, you know, for gigs that were happening the, you know, the, the next day. Um, and then also the week after, you know, I had some, some other shows booked at the whale and, uh, uh, Sam first, which is another great club in Los Angeles. And at that point, um, I wasn't going to go back to Toronto. Uh, I was still, um, working with my film score, uh, partner out in LA and, um, it started to get worse and, and, uh, you know, the Canadian government was um, starting to announce that they might shut down, uh, shut the border for non-essential travel. <clears throat> and you know what? I was like, at this point, maybe it might be best because I can only imagine that Los Angeles would be one of the, the places that would get hit hard the most, right? California. So I kind of left um, on March 19th, which which happened to be my birthday. Um, you know, I booked the ticket on March 18th in the morning for March 19th and then I left, you know, just like that. And that same night when I got back to Toronto, they announced that they shut the border to Canada. <laughs> wow. You know, so I couldn't have gotten back uh, at a better time. I was super lucky, for sure. Um, wow. Yeah. And, and, that's you wild. Know, that's, I know, right? And that's that's it. I, I mean, nobody had gigs. Um, gigs were getting canceled left, right, and center. And I thought... Um, if it, it will, if anything, it would be better to be with family and and a healthcare system that's not as crazy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, yeah. Canada, obviously. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the thing that I always know about Canada is that you have a, a healthcare system for all. I mean, you have heads and shoulders above the rest of the world for sure, or at least this western part of the world. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. They they definitely have it together for sure. Uh, I mean, no one could have prepared anybody for for this virus, obviously. Um, and obviously, the senior homes are getting hit hard the most over here. Um, so it's it's we're all we're all kind of coping with it and, and dealing with it. But things are starting to open up. You know, golf courses opened up yesterday, I believe. And um, my mom actually was uh, had a had a date to go golfing today this this morning, and then unfortunately it's raining, so <laughs> so she actually had to cancel. I'm sure she's not too happy about that. We we actually had a basically May 15th, our stay at home to a good degree was kind of lifted, but in a soft way. So if you go out, you have, you know, you have your masks and, and all of that kind of thing. And it's a 10, 10, 10 rule, like 10 people, 10%, that kind of thing. So we're mm-hmm. kind of slowly getting back. In fact, we're big library people. And just this morning, we went by and got got some books that were on hold. So those kinds of things are starting to open up, which is great. Um, Yeah, so slowly but surely. You know, I always ask musicians, you know, how healthy is jazz in 2020 or 2019, whatever it is. And I guess now that we have a pandemic, I know how healthy it is. I am just astonished at the amount of gigs that one musician has had to cancel. Right. Right. I mean, entire tours, you know what I mean? So, yeah. <laughs> it's insane. I mean, let alone a region, you know, like I think Kansas City was going through a real bonafide renaissance. I mean, things were just smoking all the time. Um, and I just think about all the clubs that are closed and what's going to happen and how it's going to happen. And, you know, I mean, even, I even heard from you know, New Yorkers about even the Village Vanguard and places like that, you know, when and how, you know, things like that. So it's, 
it's wild, man. That's the thing. It's uh, there's a lot of ambiguity right now about everything. Yeah, I, you know, I I, I played a gig, um, uh, maybe a week and a half, huh, a, couple, a couple weeks before with Logan Richardson. Um, he's you know he's 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 K, he's from KC, right? Yeah, yeah. He's, he's like one of your, the natives over there. Yeah, so I mean, yeah, it, I was lucky to you know play with him right before all of this stuff happened, and that that was it. You know, it's like. I, I just couldn't believe it. I cannot believe how crazy things got. All these gigs getting canceled. Um, but, th- you know, the, the music that's coming out of this pandemic has also been pretty, pretty amazing. You know, I'm, 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 I'm very surprised at how, how resilient people have been staying, you know, and, and how uh, inspired people are, are, are staying in throughout this time. But, I mean, you know, God only knows when, we're, when we'll be able to actually play in public just like we were before. You know what I mean? So, yeah, that's, um, that's, that's a big question. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, the one thing about jazz musicians is, is that by and large, you aren't in it for the money. So the creativity is always there no matter what, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, right. That's just kind of the way, the way the whole idiom works. But, um, so you're, you're originally from Canada. Talk to me a little bit about your childhood and what music swayed you to get into jazz. Uh, yeah, sure. Absolutely. Um, let me see. Uh, you know, I started playing drums around, uh, maybe I was 10 around there. I, I watched this movie called Drumline. I don't know if you remember it, Nick Cannon. Yeah. So, so I watched, I watched that, um, movie and then a week later I was playing drums. You know, it was kind of like a, it was kind of like a hobby and started taking drum lessons a week later and, uh, I took drum lessons for about maybe a couple months and, after that, I kind of slowly realized that I didn't really like drum lessons that much. And then, uh, you know, I just, I, I think I learned enough where I was just kind of listening to the music that I liked at the time, you know, some rock music, some classic rock, some, uh, you know, some hip hop. And, you know, I just, I just, I was just transcribing and just playing along to these records, you know, without even knowing what I was doing, but just trying to figure out what they were doing. Then, uh, you know, it wasn't until uh, high school I had a friend who was looking for a drummer for a jazz quintet um, for like a Christmas concert. And uh, I didn't know anything about jazz, but the, the music teacher was like, yeah, there's this kid. Um, he knows how to play jazz. And at the time, I didn't know anything about it. And um, it was like a jazz quintet with a vocalist. So we were playing like a, it was like a Frank Sinatra tribute or something like that. So we were playing Fly Me to the Moon. And, you know, I stopped in the middle of the song. In the concert, I was just like, I just stopped. My friend looked back at me. He's like, what, you know, like, what, what are you doing? Like, you know, you know, using some choice words, like, don't ever, I don't ever want to hear you stop in the middle of a song like that again. Or, you know, like, I never want to hear you play that bad ever again. You know what I mean? In front of everybody. Um, wow. He had, you know, now he's one of my best friends, Joe, Joe Manzoli. I kind of owe it all to him. Um, so he kind of got me started. The next day he gave me a CD with, a, you know, that was the time when people were burning um, you know, data CDs onto, you know, CDs and co- kind of compilation records. So he kind of, he gave me like Wayne Shorter, Speak No Evil. He gave me a Love Supreme, Kind of Blue, um, Ugetsu. You know, he gave, he gave me like some pretty great CDs, like that first time, you know, that first kind of introduction to it. And after that, I was hooked. Um, you know, then I started to play with some of the musicians in Toronto um, and decided to, to audition for some colleges in the States. Uh, so I auditioned for, um, you know, a couple places in New York, like Juilliard and MSM and New School. And then, 
in Boston, I, I uh, auditioned for New England and Berkeley, went to Berkeley, ended up getting ex- accepted there um, into this program. Um, in my first semester, I got into this thing called the Global Jazz Institute. I'm not sure if you have heard of it, but that's the um, institute at Berkeley that Danilo uh, teaches. Uh, he he kind of spearheads that that institute. So it's Danilo and, you know, it's like uh, Terry Lynn Carrington, uh, John Patitucci, Joe Lovano, George Garzon, Dave Liebman, uh, Adam Cruz, Ben Street. I mean, a bunch of heavies. You know what I mean? It's just like one of, it was that, it was just like a unbelievable, um, schooling. You know what I mean? It's like to have all these like amazing musicians teach you. And, uh, at the time I was doing a lot of international travels through Berkeley. So I was, you know, going to Panama and playing a lot with Danilo and learning his repertoire. Um, we traveled to Spain and, and to Paris and West Africa. And, um, yeah, from there, just, you know, kept on going. And, you know, one of my, one of my main dreams was, was to, I mean, you know, I'm keeping this fairly short, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. one of my, one of my main dreams was, was to play with Wayne Shorter, you know? And I think that vision kind of, um, got me super close, you know, to study, to be able to be able to witness, you know, Danilo and, and John and, and Brian would be around as well too. Um, just to be able to be around that energy. And then there was this one uh, summer where I was volunteering at uh, Danilo's foundation in Panama and uh, Wayne came to do a, a, a like a fundraising concert for, for uh, one student to have a full scholarship to, to go to Berkeley. And that day, Danilo was like, do you want to play with Wayne? <laughs> like that morning. I was like, are you kidding me? You want me to like, <laughs> are you kidding? like me? He's like, yeah. I'm like, okay. You know, I'm like, what are we going to play? He's like, I'm not sure yet. You know, classic. But it's like, I'm, you know, scared out of my mind. You know, it's like, so, um, so yeah, so, so he ended up picking a, a weather report tune. Uh, I think it was, uh, Palladium. We played that with Wayne that same night. And it was just like, oh, oh my gosh, unbelievable. You know what I mean? What, what an experience. It was like, it was almost yeah. as if, you're playing and, and, and you feel like, it's, you know, you're all in your head. It's Wayne Shorter. You know what I mean? And you, the music is not happening. Music is not happening. And then there was this vamp section near the end. It was kind of, at the end of, at the end of the song, it kind of goes into like a more Afro-Cuban-y, like kind of Latin-esque vamp, you know, section. And, uh, it started playing and, and Wayne just like, you know, he started building and building and building and building. Then he played this one note. And then the entire club went like crazy. Everybody just got out of their seat. It was just like insane. What a moment, you know, it was like a, one of those magical <laughs> things to ever happen. Um, so yeah, you know, that's, that's, that's mostly how I, uh, got my start. And, you know, after, after Berkeley, I went to the, um, uh, I went to New York for a bit actually for a year just to check it out. Uh, mostly just to, you know, see the masters play like Al Foster and Roy Haynes and, uh, let me see, you know, Winard Harper and, and all these, you know, uh, let me see who else I was watching over there, like Nasheed Waits and, uh, you know, Lovano and I mean, so many drummers. I, I, yeah, I mean, actually Joe Lovano. Yeah. I mean, he's, yeah, I know he's a saxophonist, but if you ever see this guy play drums, it's kind of insane. <laughs> wow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, he's amazing no matter what. Um, so how did L.A. become a part of your life? Yeah. Uh, so uh, 
uh, let me see. Um, I basically auditioned for the uh, Thelonious Monk Institute, which is now called the the Hancock Institute. And um, yeah, I just I I sent an audition tape, you know, the day before, and I uh, wasn't sure if I was going to make it just because it's you know such a prestigious um, school and it's been around for so long. And I just sent it in, and I got a call back to like, you want to come to LA for the audition? I said sure. Um, you know, went back to the callback, and and that same day, it's kind of scary because it was. They basically said they gave us like a verbal contract. They said, you know, if, if we choose you to be a part of the institute, you have to tell us with a confirmation right now that you're going to be the musician for the institute for the next two years. And, and you know, Herbie and Wayne is sitting right in front of you. Of course, you have to say yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. So at at the time, I, I wasn't really sure if I wanted to move to Los Angeles. You know, it was such a big change, you know. Um, you know, my girlfriend at the time was, was living in, in Boston. And then, uh, you know, and then my entire family's in Toronto. So I wasn't sure if I wanted to move there. So, you know, but once I started the program, I, I, I was thinking this was, this is probably one of the best decisions I've ever made because, you know, I got here and I was exposed to a whole nother industry. You know, because right now people are talking about, you know, New York, L.A., New York, L.A., like what's, you know, what's a better city to be? I mean, obviously they're two completely different places with two different, completely different aesthetics. And I think the music scene is just thriving right now in Los Angeles at this point because um, you can kind of, you can kind of dabble in a lot of different, different areas and um, industries. You know what I mean? I, I was able to meet people that were in a bunch of, you know, producers and, and songwriters and, um, you know, you know, being being around like film scoring uh, people and people in that industry, and the next thing you know, now I'm scoring for a full length documentary. You know what I mean? So it's kind of a, it's it's been kind of a whirlwind. But at the same time, getting a chance to play with uh, David Binney, um, David Binney took me on the road to uh, Vietnam and Australia and Montreal and a couple places, and then getting a chance to play with John Beasley and Eric Reed and I mean. Let me see who else. Billy Child. Um, yeah, I mean, such such great musicians in, in Los Angeles. So I, I think I think it's it's been such a welcoming environment uh, for me being there. It's it's only been let's see, this would be my fourth year, but you know, spending half the year in Canada because of the virus. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So talk to me a little bit about what you like the best about being a musician. Oh, I mean. It's it's almost as if uh, you know I I don't even feel like I'm really working, right? I, I'm 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 doing what I love to do, and I'm just I'm I'm very fortunate to get the opportunities that that I've been uh, presented with. You know, I've gotten a chance to play with some of the uh, world's best musicians, and super lucky. You know what I mean? It's just I to this day I'm just thinking, you know, being back here in Toronto, just thinking about you know, having all these uh, aspirations to play with these great musicians. I, I was telling my girlfriend, it's like showing her my CD collection, right? Of course, you know, I have still have a CD collection and I'm sure you, I'm sure you have an extensive CD collection as well, probably. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, just being like, you know, I've played with this person. I've played with this person. I've played with this person. I'm like, wow. Like, 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 dreams coming true you know what i mean for for a chinese canadian kid from from toronto like to be able to go to the states and 
to meet these musicians and, and be able to be in the same room as them and, and hear them talk and hear their stories and, and, and just feeling their, uh, their vibrations, you know? So, um, in that sense, you know, I feel like becoming a musician was, was probably the, the best thing that could have ever happened to me and, and the best career choice, career path that I could have ever picked, you know, for me, it was, it was either become a musician or that was it, <laughs> you know, it was, it was all or nothing for me. I never thought that I was going to be anything else. Um, yeah. so, you know, very, very blessed, very, very grateful for, for these opportunities. And I'm, I'm still happy doing it, you know, being a part of the process. And even though we're, we're in the middle of a pandemic, I can be more inspired to create music. You know what I mean? Yeah, I dig it. What, yeah. uh, what was the, what was the first live jazz show you ever saw that really inspired you? Oh, let me see. Oh, oh man. I'd say one of the, the very first one. Okay, well, no, you know what? I think the very first one that really, really inspired me. I did watch a bunch of, you know, musicians come to Toronto. I don't know if you ever you've ever heard of the the jazz club here in Toronto called the Rex. Yeah. Yeah, it's like you know, it's like our it's like our village vanguard, you know, but not as. <laughs> but I mean, the Rex is still an amazing place, and they host they host such great musicians here. Um, so. Uh, I mean, back then I was watching like Dave Liebman would would come through and Jeremy Pelt would come through and um, you know Gilad Hexman and Ari Honig and but, yeah a bunch of New York musicians you know it's such a it's such an easy way easy um, um, transit route and, and jazz club to get to um, but the first one that really inspired me was was Wayne definitely seeing Wayne at Massey Hall you know seeing the quartet there I was just like you know back then not having enough money to buy good tickets I was sitting in you know, like the, the nosebleed seats. And then my friend and I was just like, we just got to get, we got to get down there. You know what I mean? So we snuck our way all the way yeah. down to the, uh, you know, to the, the main floor and just like seeing, seeing Wayne. It's just like, they just got up there and they just started playing. Like, I was just like, what is happening right now? And I think I was like 14 years old. I was like, what, what is this music that I'm listening to? Is this, is this jazz? Like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and later yeah, on, that's, that's, I mean, that's, yeah. Yeah. That's that's you know pretty I mean? epic for sure. Yeah. Right. Right. That kind of that kind of I'm I'm glad that I saw that one one concert because that that kind of that kicked it off for me. Um, being able to study with the guys that were on that stage that that, that night. You know what I mean? So sure. Great. I mean. Yeah. Sure. So why do you love jazz? Oh, uh, let me see. I mean, you know, I, I don't know about. I don't know if you can necessarily, you know, call it jazz. I mean, right now there's, there's like a whole thing that's, that's happening, um, you know, with that word. But for me, you know, I, I try to stay out of it. You know, for me, I still like calling it jazz. Um, but for me, you know, I, I love it. It's like, it's, it's kind of like a way of life. It's, it's a way of, um, seeing the world for, for endless possibilities. You know, I, I always, I even I even take that that way of improvising into my everyday life and try to um, be very open, you know, be be open to other people and and uh, hear other people's side of the story and 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 to kind of be flexible, you know. For for me, that word jazz kind of reminds me of of like a a, a space where we can all be coincide and and to kind of improvise together you know to have a conversation um 
So, you know, when I go into a musical context, when I get into a space where I'm playing music with other people, I just, I try to lay back. I try to hear what the people are saying first. And, you know, if there's, if I want to say something, then I'll say something, you know what I mean? And if some, if somebody's saying something else, that's, you know, their time to shine, then I just kind of, kind of lay back and just let them do their thing. Um, so, you know, for me, that's, that's why I love jazz, you know, just to, just be open, you know, be, be open to, to possibilities, endless possibilities. Yeah. Right on. So we're going to get to the end of this COVID-19 quarantine and the end of the pandemic, and we're going to get back to live music. So my question is, what do you hope both musician and the audience realizes from this absence, this time away? Hmm, let me see. I mean, I, well, first of all, yeah, of course, I, I do hope that we get back sooner than later, for sure. Um, but I hope that, you know, as, as not only as the musicians, but the audience, I think they have a deeper appreciation for, for, for music and for live music. Um, I think, you know, especially when we have the phones, I can't remember who said this. There was, a, there was a musician who said this. I can't remember. Maybe it was McCoy Tyner. I can't remember. Maybe, I, I'm, I, you know, this, this, this could be totally wrong, but there's, there was a old jazz grade and somebody, you know, a young musician went up to the jazz grade and the jazz grade said, you know, back in the day, you know, our, we had problems with drugs. You know, that was our, that was like our addiction. And then now in, you know, in this, you know, in 2020, you, you know, the, the biggest drug is, is your phone, your, te- you know, social media, like being, being on your phone all the time. So I think, you know, there's still that thing when you're, when you're at a jazz club and, and people are, you know, getting text messages and just constantly just thinking about what they have going on in the rest of the day. I hope that when people go back to hearing live music in person, they'll be able to appreciate it a lot more and kind of, uh, be a part of the experience instead of just witnessing it, but actually feel and, and, and witness and ask questions and, um, be a part of the experience. You know what I mean? Same, yeah. same for musicians too. Same for musicians. <laughs> you know, it's, you know, now it's not, we're entering Instagram and Facebook and I mean, myself included, I'm totally guilty of this, but you know, thinking about, you know, playing a great gig and then finding a one minute video to, to post up on Instagram afterwards. You know what I mean? So. Yeah. Yeah. I get it. I get it. Being in the moment, man, for sure. Yeah, uh, my, my final question. Yeah. My final question to you is this. Everyone has a, perception of you, your family, your friends, your fans, but you're the one living your life. Who do you think you are? Oh, man. Sorry, right, tough question. Um, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm just, I'm just trying to be the best, the best person that I can be, you know, and whether it's offering somebody uh, my music, but honestly, just trying to, like you said, just trying to be in the moment. You know, I, when I'm with my family, I try to be in the moment with my family um, you know, when I'm on the bandstand, I try to be on the bandstand. For me, I'm I'm just I'm just trying to give the best part of myself to everybody. Um, I'm trying not to be um, stubborn, um, any you know by any ch- any means, and I I try to let the music speak through me and just try to um, just offer the best the best part. You know, um, I'm I'm still trying to figure that out. You know, I'm fairly young. I'm, you know, I'm 27 years old, so I'm, I still have a lot of years to come. Um, so, you know, there's there's a long road ahead, right? So I kind of just have to be part of the process and 
and uh, uh, you know take take things as as they come. You know. I dig it for sure. Hey man, right. thank you for taking some time out today for Neon Jazz. I really appreciate it. Oh. Absolutely. Thank you so much for, for, for wanting to interview. <laughs> Thanks for listening and tuning into another Neon Jazz interview, where we give you a bit of insight into the finest cats in Los Angeles, Kansas City, and spots all over the world, giving fans all that jazz. And thanks to Anthony for his time, music, and story. If you want to hear more interviews, go to Famous Interviews with Joe Dabino on the iTunes Store. Visit Neon Jazz at YouTube.com and for everything Neon Jazz all the time, go to the neonjazz.blogspot.com. Until next time, enjoy the jazz, my friends. Neon Jazz.